Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 189 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Joey Coastman. I'm joined, though, by the elusive, the infamous Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joe. Yourself? Very good, my friend. Very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. But I will just say, before we get into it, do not miss the little part. We're going to divide up a little segment for Ayaz to complete his forfeit after losing to me in the Prediction League. Do not miss that. Believe me, I'm not even going to tell you what he's going to sing. I'm just going to leave it as a surprise. You will love it. Let's start, though, like I say, with the review part. Let's start at the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, Lancashire, United Kingdom. This one, of course, was half on uh, half on Channel 5 Spike and half on Channel 5. Uh, I didn't see any of the undercard unfortunately i know that the son of mick hennessy made his uh, his pro debut uh, michael hennessy junior uh, he picked up a win a points win over six rounds against journeyman adam grabich who's 7 and 25 he's been in there with a few decent guys grabich so that's um that's that's a good opponent there to start with obviously he's a journeyman but he's been around the block actually with some good names some big names so that's a good start there for michael hennessy junior uh, also on the bill savannah Marshall, she moved to 6-0, and a knockout in the very first round against Borislava Guranova, 11-55 with four draws, only been stopped a handful of times, but, you know, obviously a journey woman, and she was pulled in at real late notice, so a bit of a mismatch, let's not, let's not run away with that one. Uh, Huey Fury, though, he took the spotlight, a win in the second round, a knockout against Chris Norad, so Huey Fury, that was win number 22, he's got the two losses, like I say, a Second round knockout. Chris Norad loses his undefeated streak. Um, he was 17-0 and 0 going in. I think he'd been a pro for 10 years. So unbeaten for 10 years and it's all come to an end in two rounds at the Victoria Warehouse for him. Um, he was completely out of his depth. Huey was just levels and levels and levels above the guy. Not to mention he had the youth on his side. He was way too sharp for him. Just overall too good for him it was a mismatch so Huey Fury um, I want to see you a little bit more active obviously after that loss to Parker um, I think he had about eight or nine months out the ring even though I thought he won the fight but you know he had a he had a long long period and then I think he had one fight I think it was Sam Sexton and he you know he, he wiped out Sexton he showed he was way above um, way above British title level then I think he he jumped straight back in was it with um 
or did he have maybe one more fight? And then he jumped in with Pulev, and then obviously after the Pulev fight, it's been about eight months, and then we've we've waited all this time for Chris Norad. He's knocked him out in two rounds. He needs to get back to it. It seems like his his last few fights have been like a yo-yo. World title fight, British level. Top world contender in Pulev, right back down to Chris Norad. I mean, it's just up and down, up and down. Even though he lost the fight to Pulev, you know, he's he's not disgraced himself. He's he's still a young guy. He showed he's got a lot, and I've said it before. He's got a bright future. I just want to see him a little bit more active. He needs to be. It's detrimental to his career. Uh, also, on that bill. Uh, no, actually, that's it for that build. Moving out now to the Deco in Northampton. Just one fight really to mention over here. Topping the bill, Nathan Reeve. He was 12-2. and two. Um, He fought for the vacant English super flyweight title against journeyman Craig Derbyshire, a man that's been in there. I think he actually fought Charlie Edwards on his debut, perhaps. He definitely fought Charlie Edwards, but anyway... He's a journeyman, like I say, and he was able to pull off the upset. A unanimous decision, though, over 10 rounds for Craig Derbyshire. That's only win number seven for him. So he's, he's, he's got seven wins, 27 losses and three draws. Credit to Craig Derbyshire. Good win there. I know that Sonny Edwards now wants to fight him, and, and uh, that's that's hopefully going to be for the British title. That's it for that one, though. Moving out now to the Osceola Heritage Park in Florida, USA. A couple fights to mention, I believe, on the undercard. Just... Just two. Uh, Carlos Quadras, win number 38 for him. Um, it was obviously a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Daniel Lozano. Overmatched opponent, really, but I'm surprised it actually went the distance. Um, Quadras, 38 and 3 with one draw. Also on the bill, we got to see Jose Pedraza. Um, he took on this guy, Inez Torres. 40 wins, two losses, and one draw. He was he was quite a big puncher, if I'm not mistaken. I thought that Pedraza would probably get him out of there way quicker than what he did, but it took him nine rounds. It almost went the distance. It was only a ten-rounder. It was for the vacant WBO Latino lightweight title. A win there for Pedraza. It was pretty one-sided, really. 26-2 uh, and two now, Pedraza. Still many, many big fights in that lightweight division for him. But topping the bill, the Japanese fighter Masayuki Ito defending his WBO World Super Featherweight title against Jamel Herring, friend of the show, 19-2. Masayuki Ito, 25-1 with one draw, by the way. My worry going in was that, you know, Herring had had lost at much lower level than world title level. I say much lower. He's lost to, um, oh, the guy, his, his name has completely, completely evaded me. Um, he lost. He lost to a Mayweather promotions prospect. That's obviously nowhere near world level. I think it was Ladarius Miller, and then his other loss came to a guy whose name I just cannot remember. Um, oh, I really should have his record up, but we try to not do that. Um, the guy I know. The guy. The guy fought. Um, he, he fought and beat on a split decision. Richard Comey. Um Anyway, whatever. Uh, I think he's a Russian fighter. Um, he's he's kind of fringe world level, but you know Herring had lost at lower level than actual world title level. That was my fear. Um, I said that he'd look much better since he'd moved to Terence Crawford's camp, and it is you know it is what happened. It, 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 it's clear that that he has made huge improvements under those guys there. Um, talking quickly through the fight though, um, the first round. It was a it was a good it was a good round for Herring a good start for him you know his his, his straight left to Ito's body uh, we saw it a few times it was a good shot he showed great movement 
His jabbing was really good. He caught a lot of the shots on the glove, so he was able to kind of have the neater work of the two. He certainly won the round. He made Ito miss quite badly at times. But um, Ito did did seem to be the, the, the heavier-handed of the two. But yeah, like I say, Herring certainly won that round. The second round, I felt, was much closer. It kind of depended what you liked. I mean, there was a couple big shots landed by Ito. They were probably... Um, the highlight of the round. I mean, it was probably an Ito round, if I'm being honest. I think Jamel still had success with his jabs and his work to Ito's body once more. I'm not too sure it was enough to win the round, but it really could have gone either way. Like I said, it depended on what you liked, but I actually gave it to Ito, so I had it 1-1 after 2. Going into the third round again, it was probably the most eye-catching um, shots of the round that were landed by Ito, but they were few and far between, and this time I gave Heron the round, Heron was outboxing Ito, he, he made Ito miss wildly a couple of times at the very end of the round, in the fourth round, Heron actually boxed beautifully, it was a fantastic round, um, the corner at the end of the third round told him that he needs to mix it up a bit more, so going into this fourth round, he certainly did that, he was putting that straight left hand behind his right jab, obviously from the southpaw stance, um, you know, the straight one-two was working excellently, he was able to duck under most of Ito's right hand lunges it was a brilliant brilliant round for him in that fourth round it really lifted the spirits um, of, of the crowd everything um, in the fifth round Heron was fighting out of his skin um, it was a bit of a scrappy round till the last 30 seconds um, there were some excellent power shots on display by Jamel Heron it was unbelievable that you know five rounds in and he hadn't let the occasion overwhelm him you know um, obviously it was it was tremendous pressure on his shoulders it was the 10th birthday of his of his late daughter obviously it was memorial weekend also and all the marines that were there once again saluting him on the ring walk saluting him when he arrived in the building everyone you know, in the, in the crowd supporting him, it was just tremendous pressure. And when you've lost at a lower level than world title level, and you've got that kind of pressure on you to deliver, you're putting everything into one night, your whole life you've been working for this, it can just go wrong so easily. Everything's got to be right. You've got to, you've almost got to be one kind of, one kind of human being, one hell of a human being to just put that to the side, get in there and do your best. And he did that. And just after five rounds, I was just thinking, this is already such a fantastic display but again it didn't just end here no 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 you know Ito again in that fifth round was just simply looking for big shots and he wasn't able to land them Heron won that round again for me in the sixth round I gave it to Heron uh, not really too much to to, to say about the round the seventh round another herring round um he was cautious but he was clever he was scoring shots and he was evading shots um ito seemed like a little bit of frustration was kicking in for him in the eighth round it was a slightly worrying round herring was fighting up close a little bit too often for my liking he was trading too much and he was giving ito big chances and obviously you don't do that with a guy that can punch harder than you especially a guy who can punch like ito um it was probably an ito round actually which was a little bit, um, like I say, silly from Heron actually in the eighth round. The ninth round, Ito won the round again for me, so he was starting to build a bit of momentum. Um, Heron seemed to visibly slow down, he looked very fatigued. I had it 6 3 after 9 though, um, and like I say, he was coming on 
um, Ito with a little bit of momentum, won, won the 8th and ninth round, in my opinion. In the 10th round, Herring seemed to get his rhythm back, though. It was a good round. It was worrying to see Ito look so fresh, though. I, 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 I've got to mention that. Jamel, all he needed to do on my card was stay on his, on his feet for the last couple of rounds after this, and he kept glancing up at that clock. It was like he was really feeling it, and he was just finding this extra gear from from above or something. The, the powers were, were giving him something to Special powers above were, were were in the corner of Herring there. And in that 11th round, Herring constantly was looking at the clock. Once again, he was completely spent, it would seem. He was really, really, really feeling the pace. But he still won the round for me. I had it 8-3. And then the 12th round, um, I mean, Herring took a big shot late on. But he still, in my opinion, did enough to win the round. Perhaps, I was, I was kind of thinking, perhaps my card is going to be off. I hadn't seen the judges' scorecards at that point, but I had it 9-3 to three for Herring. And like I say, he fought with so much heart. He was totally, totally, totally spent, and he was still able to keep moving out of the way of the big, wild, swinging right hands of Ito that he tried again and again and again. And he landed them few and far between. And when he did land, Herring's chin held up, and it was just incredible. You know, there's not a nicer man in boxing. I'm over the moon for Jamel Herring. It was the kind of fight where you look at it, and he's he's now a world champion, and like... Just watching it almost made me want to cry. It was just... It just goes to show that when you put your mind to something... I mean, he's he's shown the world. He's proved to the world there. You know, people wouldn't have said that Jamel Herring's a world-level fighter before that fight. I think he'll say that himself. If you base it off the two losses that he had, those are not world-level guys. This guy, Ito, was a true world-level guy. Jamel Herring was the underdog. He switched up his camp... You know, he moved obviously to top rank and things have just been working like a dream. And I am so proud of him because he is, like I say, one of the nicest guys in boxing. It was a complete pleasure to see him fulfill his dream. And, you know, nice guys do get nice things because that that showed it to me right there. But what an inspiration he is. A complete hero. A complete hero. I'm going to stop there because I can go overboard. I do love Jamel Herring. Uh, moving out now to the MGM National Harbour in Oxon Hill, Maryland, USA. We're going to try to fly through at this one here. Um, starting with the undercard, Lorenzo Simpson. He moved to 4-0, a win in the first round, a knockout over Rafael Garcia, 9-2. and I think that's Lorenzo Simpson's fourth knockout. I think he's done all of the guys in two. Uh, or no, maybe in, in, in the first round. I think he's done everyone in, in one round. 4-0, um, I think, with four knockouts all in the first round. Could be wrong, but I know that he's been knocking people out. He's been impressing. Another man that's been impressing uh, recently, to be honest, Danny Aryulusanov, the golden boy. 7-0 and now, a unanimous decision over six rounds against Luis Nurembuena, who's now 3-2 and two with one draw. Obviously, completely overmatched there, but Yulusanov didn't get the stoppage. He still went the distance. Uh, also on the bill, Philip. Philip Hergovic, the bronze boy, uh, he moved to 8-0. and It was for the WBC International Heavyweight title in the other corner. Greg Corbin coming off that disqualification loss to Charles Martin when he kept hitting him in the nuts. Well, he got knocked out in one round. Um, yeah, not a good display for him. An awful night, actually. Hergovic did look good. You can't really... I mean, you can't really fault him. He got him out of there in a round. That's perfect. It's, it's, it's better than Charles Martin was doing, whether you like it or not. He's a former world champion, Charles Martin. And although he was winning the fight, he was outboxing him. I don't think he really had Corbin in much danger. Um, also on the bill, friend of the show, Michael Hunter moved to 17 wins. He's got the one loss. He took on Fabio Maldonado, 26-2. and two. His two losses, though, he'd never been stopped. They were both losses on points. They were both his last two fights. He was coming off those consecutive 
save two losses. Obviously, we knew he was a banger himself. 25 knockouts from 26 wins. Michael Hunter, he wanted to make a statement. He wanted to become the first man to stop him, and he did it in just two rounds. It was quite a statement, in my opinion. That one was for the WBA International Heavyweight title. Michael Hunter manages to get the guy out there in two rounds, but we are supposed to pay £20 to watch Oscar Rivas, who went the distance with Maldonado, fight Dillian White. I'm um, hoping that undercard gets gets better. There's a few good fights on it, actually, I will say. Uh, also on the bill, Jessica McCaskill against Anihi Sanchez, who's 19-3 and three Sanchez. McCaskill, obviously, 6-2, and two, but she's been hard-matched, actually. Both ladies fought Katie Taylor in the past. Um, it was a unification for the WBA and WBC World Female Super Lightweight titles. McCaskill was able to pick up the win unanimously over 10 two-minute rounds. A brilliant fight that one was, apparently. I didn't get to see it, but everyone says that was a cracking, cracking fight. And topping the bill, Devin Haney, 22-0 now. It was for the WBC International Lightweight title and the WBO Intercontinental Lightweight title. Antonio Moran in the other corner, 24-3. and And a seventh-round knockout for Haney. He was completely... Um, just levels and levels above this guy to be honest with you, that's all I can say Um, it was a statement, it was actually a knockout of the year contender in my opinion it was a beautiful um, chopping right hand and the guy was completely done, I mean it was it just landed, It, it just caught him like it caught him like a peach. It just—it it was just so brilliantly well timed. The guy twisted his head into the shot. It was just complete nasty. It was such a brutal knockout. Um, but yeah, Devin Haney—a brilliant, brilliant win for him. But like I say, I really want to see him pushed on. We're hearing about him gearing up to try and fight Luke Campbell. Um, he's hanging around. He wants to fight Lomachenko. He wants to fight Ryan Garcia. He wants to fight. Um, Tiafimo Lopez, but you know, he's he's fighting Antonio Moran, so uh, you know, I just want to see him step up to be honest. I think that's fair to say. He's a friend of the show, we wish him all the best. And the final, uh, the final fight to mention this one happened at the Beau Rivage Resort and Casino in Mississippi, USA. It was just the main event over here, actually. Two guys, both friends of the show. I wasn't too sure on who I wanted to win. Austin Trout, 31-5, and five, or Terrell Gaucher, 21-1. and one. Quite often, when two guys are friends of the show, I hope that neither of them lose. I hope that they both win. And the next best thing that can happen is a draw. But unfortunately, I think Gaucher probably did deserve it. It was a split draw over 10 rounds. Um, yeah, I feel guided for Gaucher because he seemed to be bitterly disappointed with the decision that it was a draw, whereas Trout didn't seem that disappointed. I think he perhaps knows that he's quite fortunate to escape without a loss on his record, without another loss, and this time it would have been his first loss to a non-world champion. So, um, credit to Gaucher, because like I say, I think he probably won the fight, um, but, you know, it's a statement to beat Trout because only world champions do that. And he hasn't yet proved himself on that level. Although, of course, Trout is over the hill. Trout did say, credit to him in his post-fight interview, he did say, we need to get it on again. Let's have a rematch. And he seemed to be more up for the rematch, actually, than Gaucher was. But, of course, Gaucher, in his best interest, needs to put his body through another camp and needs to fight him again. He doesn't really need to do too much. Just get some different judges next time round. And if he fights the same way, then he should win. But, obviously, Trout, coming off I think it was a year layoff so he had that as a bit of an excuse so it's a bit it's a bit unfortunate no one likes a draw but credit to both guys over there we like both guys but that is about it for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part one the last thing to do is to welcome guest number one 
Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA and WBO middleweight champion of the world. It is, of course, Mr. Hassan Endam. Hassan, welcome back on the show. Yeah, how are you? I'm very good, my friend. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling good. Excellent, man. So, Hassan, we last spoke back in December. Uh, it was just before the fight against Martin Murray. Now, I knew that you were going to win that fight. Not many people from the UK agreed with me, but you proved me right. Please tell me a little bit about this win. Brilliant win. You know, um, I was very confident, confident, confident for my for my work, for my job with the team, and that's why I come in. I come in very confident for the for this fight, and I told you before that I'm gonna win the fight. Nobody waiting for me, uh, but but I was confident for win this fight. So uh, let let's talk about the future. Right now is the is the past for me, you know. And Martin Murray is a, a good boxer, and, and I respect him very well. So that's why now the win is take. I take the win. So I I want to think about the future. Absolutely, and talking about the future, Saturday you fight Callum Smith on the undercard of Joshua versus Ruiz Jr. in New York, but of course you're moving up in weight for this fight, you'll be fighting at super middleweight. Are boxing fans going to see a different Hassan and Dam at super middleweight? Uh, no, it's going to be the same Hassan and Dam because you know, uh, boxing is the same thing. Yeah, I'm going to move in the super middleweight but I'm going to keep my boxing and keep my shape for middleweight. So I, mean, I think that's going to make the difference for this fight. You know why? Because uh, I'm going to be very fast for the middleweight. I'm going to be very, very quick. So that's going to be a very, very smart fight because we know, we know the quality of uh, Callum Smith. And I know that he's a conscious guy. He's very tall, you, you know. So uh, that's going to be a smart fight. And you know Callum Smith very well. You've sparred with him in the past, right? Yes. What can you tell us, Hassan? I sparred with Callum Smith three weeks. I sparred with Callum Smith three weeks uh, when he had a title against Grove in Jeddah. So, uh, you know, I, I know him very well. And he know me too. So that's why... It's gonna be the, the difficult of uh, difficulty of this fight because uh, I know that he's working very very hard and he have a good a good um, sensation, but I have to the good sensation for this fight. So I'm very ready and I think he's ready so. And how long have you had to prepare for this fight, Hassan? Because obviously the fight hasn't been announced for very long. We only knew about this fight about a week ago. How long have you known about this fight happening? Yo, I, I know that um, many people don't know that uh, don't know the fight before, and the fight uh, is announced. It's not announced uh, very quick, but we uh, was in negotiation. First of all, we are in negotiation with Golovkin before in the past, and the negotiation does go very well, but we keep in working. After that, we have a proposition for to fight Callum Smith, and we accept because you know I'm the, I, I'm a man for the for um, the DC commodity, uh, uh, yeah, big event. So uh, I have a man for the big event. So when they propose to fight Callum Smith, I say yes. 
directly. So we are was in negotiation since one month, since four weeks, many things to want uh, to want to be agreed. So right now everything is good, and we're gonna be in this this undercard for the big event for Anthony Joshua Rios fight. So it's gonna be a good good event in Madison Square Garden. And after this fight, do you think you'll stay at super middleweight or do you see yourself moving back down to middleweight? Oh, it's a, you know, uh, middleweight is, a, is my, my weight class. It's a, it's a very, very good place that I feel better in my, in my career. I do all my career in middleweight. But it's a, in super middleweight, I think it's going to be the amazing place for me too because I have my weight for in the form, uh, in the shape. That's that way. In super middleweight, I, I keep in shape, and I've been in the good shape. So, I think after this, maybe I stay in, in super middleweight. And you are trying to become a two weight world champion. Uh, there is another middleweight world champion and super middleweight world champion uh, that we just saw uh, the other week. Billy Joe Saunders became a two weight. World champion. Did you happen to see this fight? Yeah, of course. Uh, I think I I want to be the the two weight uh, world champion. So after this, why not we can uh, we can arrange to do Bidjo Sanders against me because I hope to fight him since I was middleweight. So why not? And just coming down to the last two questions, Hassan, um, I want to ask you for a prediction if you have one. How do you see yourself winning on June the 1st in New York? Uh, I'm going to be... This This question is very important because, you know, uh, when I win this fight, I'm going to be... I'm entering story in, in my country, in France, because I'm going to be the first French guy uh, unify the title for super champion and WBC diamond and the ring magazine belt. You know that's gonna be amazing for me for my life. Everything gonna change, but I will I will stay the, the same man, the same boxer. But I don't want to push me the to to put more and more more aggressive thing in my head and in my heart. I want to be the same man outside and inside the ring. Okay. And the final question, really, Hassan, I just wanted to give you a chance just to to perhaps say anything. Uh, Have you got any final message at all to to anyone that could be listening to this interview? Uh, I want to say to all of you, keep in support Hassan Ndam because I'm going to be, again, a world champion for June 1st in Madison Square Garden against Callum Smith. So we keep in touch and let's talk after the fight. Absolutely. Hassan, listen, it is always a pleasure speaking with you on the Box Hard Podcast. Best of luck for Saturday and we'll speak again sometime afterwards. Thank you very much for all of you. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, what you got for us? Uh, Conor Ben will headline um, on the next show on Friday, June the 21st. Ted Cheeseman will defend his British t- uh, title. Craig Richards also faces Andrew Sterling in a uh, in a British final eliminator. And Sh- Shannon Courtney will also be on the undercard. 
Yes, um, it's good for boxing to return to York Hall. One of my absolute favourite venues. It's really easy to get to it and from it. Um, but yeah, Ted Cheeseman, like you say, defends the British title. No opponent just yet. Connor Ben against Jussie Kuvula. Um, you know, I'm going to probably read more into that opponent when uh, when the fight's a little bit closer. Craig Richards against Andre Sterling. Brilliant, brilliant fight there, that one. I really like that. Um, Sterling impressed in his last fight. Craig Richards really impressed in his last fight. Both guys... Uh, you know, doing all the right things at the minute. Reese Bellotti, I believe, also gets out on that card. And Charles Frankham, I think, fights on that bill also. Um, but yeah, that is that is about that one. Looking forward to that one. Like I say, York Hall, a great venue. Any other news, Ayaz? Yes, um, also on um, on July the 6th at Manchester Arena, um, Scott Fisher will face uh, Brian Rose for the WBA International Super Welterweight title. Okay, obviously... Scott Fitzgerald coming off that win over Anthony Fowler. Brian Rose, I think he's very much past it. I think that's an easy win there for Scott Fitzgerald, even though Brian Rose is a friend of the show. Um, is is there any more news I has? And finally, Lawrence Coley will face uh, Jack Macy for the British and Commonwealth title. Yeah, I think it said Jack Massey, but yeah, he's an undefeated fighter. Um, he's been doing it, I believe, on the small hall shows. Hasn't really had a big chance. This is it against Lawrence Okoli. Lawrence Okoli, I feel, just needs to be pushed on. I mean, we've, we've been hearing about Lebedev, and then he goes and fights Jack Massey. Um, I understand he hasn't had tons and tons of amateur experience. He hasn't had tons and tons of pro experience, but he's completely wiping out domestic level, and I thought he was probably past it. But obviously, he's fighting another domestic fighter here. Um, he's probably going to win. And then... Hopefully, he can be pushed on to the bigger stage. Um, that's it for the news, Ayaz, yeah? Yep, that's it for the news. Okay. Um, we're going to go forward now with the preview part of the show. Just before we get into it, I am going to let you guys know, we haven't forgot, Ayaz is still going to sing a song later in the show. It's going to happen just after the preview part, so do not miss that. Ayaz, just tell us what you're going to sing for us, what the listener's going to hear. 50 Cent in the club. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. I know the listeners are getting excited. That's going to be quite a, I was going to say a spectacle, spectacle, quite something to listen to. But anyway, the preview part, like I said, we're starting at the City Hall in Thailand. Chaofon Moonsri, 52-0. He puts his WBC world minimum weight title on the line against Tatsuya Fukuhara, who's 21-6 and with six draws. Six draws. Boy, oh boy. Anyway, Cheyafon Moonsri, we love him over here on this show. He's got a few names. One of them, I know, is um, is is hated by Mayweather. That's one of his, his names also. Mayweather doesn't like it that he's overtook him on that unbeaten run. Um, moving out now to the Baths Hall in Scumthorpe in Lincolnshire, United Kingdom. One fight to mention over here. It's a real good fight, in my opinion. Kirk Garvey, 12-2. and two. He puts his English light heavyweight title on the line against Dex Spellman, 15-2. and two. That's a 10-rounder there. Good fight there. That's on a Carl Greve show, so shout-out to him. Uh, also, moving out now to China, Fan Long Meng. Just a fighter to mention here. He's the guy that beat Frank Buglioni on that show in Monaco. Fan Long Meng, 14-0. and 0. Um, it's a 12-round contest against Adam Deans, who's actually 17-0 with one draw. So that's a real good fight there. Fan Long Meng, a man that I've been keeping an eye on, especially after that Buglioni fight. He was a great amateur, and obviously Buglioni retired after that fight there. Uh, moving out now to the Central Hall in Southampton. 
Just one fighter to mention. Not that he's really got any ties to this show. I've never interviewed him, but he's a man that I've got a lot of time for, actually. Joe Pigford, 15-0 and 0 now. Um, a real good fighter. Really, really impressed me when he beat Aaron Morgan some years back. He's just been so inactive, though. But apparently he's fighting again this weekend in Southampton. Moving out now, though, to Cardiff at the Val Sports Arena in the UK. It's a Lee Eaton show, a MTK Global show. Jay Harris, 15-0. and 0. He fights for the vacant EBU European Flyweight title against former world title challenger Angel Moreno, the, the man that was in the ring with Charlie Edwards um, back in March, late March, wasn't it, when Charlie defended his, his WBC title in his first defense against Angel Moreno, who's now 19-3 and three with two draws, but he showed against Charlie Edwards. He's a tough, tough guy, so Jay Harris has got his work cut out there. That's a fantastic fight. Uh, also on that bill, we should mention that Craig Evans, 19-2 and two with two draws, um, he puts his WBO Euro European lightweight title on the line against Stephen Orman, 27-5. and A um, little bit of a kind of last chance saloon there for Ormond, you'd have to say. Uh, also on that bill, there's a couple of guys. One one prospect called Sultan Zurbeck, I think Kazakh fighter, 6-0. and He gets out on that one. And also a guy called Zankosh Turarov, who's 22-0. and So uh, the Welsh fan's in for a treat there. Moving out now, though, to the Soboba Casino in San Jacinto, California, USA. This one's going to be on USA Fox Sports 1. It's a TGB Promotions card. Uh, one, f- well, two fights really to mention over here. Hugo Centeno Jr., a man that's been in there with Jamal Charlo, 27 and 2. He takes on Willie Monroe Jr., 23 and 3. Obviously, uh, Willie Monroe was supposed to fight Charlo, wasn't he? And then the fight fell through on fight week or something because he, uh, he failed a test. I think it was maybe maybe not fight week might have been the week before and then they pulled in someone on short notice was it actually Hugo Centeno it could have been him but anyway those guys are getting it on um not quite sure about Willie Willie Monroe's ban I thought he was given a ban not quite sure what happened there he was on the show he was a real real likable guy when I interviewed him I wanted him to you know to try and give Charlo some problems but the fight didn't end up happening also on the undercard other friend of the show Devon Alexander 27 and 5 with one draw he's in a 10 rounder against Ivan Redcatch 22 and 4 with one draw um all the best there to Devon on that comeback trial. And now moving out to the final bill to mention at the Madison Square Garden in New York, USA. As we're going to do a few predictions here because the Prediction League, of course, has started back up. Josh Kelly, we shall be speaking to him um, a little bit later on in the show after Ayaz does his singing. Josh Kelly, 9-0. and He puts his WBA international welterweight title on the line against Ray Robinson, 24-3 and with one draw. That's a good fight there. He was only in the ring five weeks ago Josh Kelly that's a 10 rounder there and he went the 10 rounds just five weeks back so yeah quite an interrupted training camp you'd expect um Katie Taylor fights for all the marbles 13 and 0 she takes on Delphine Persoon 43 and 1 the Belgian female that's a brilliant fight there for the IBF WBA WBC and WBO world female lightweight titles a complete complete um undisputed fight there. Chris Algieri has 23 and 3, obviously former world champion. He takes on Tommy Coyle in a chance of a lifetime for Coyle in what will be his 30th fight is for the WBO International Super Lightweight title. Ayas, how do you see that one going, Algerian Coyle? 
I think this is going to be a war. I think this is going to be a very, very good fight. Obviously, this is uh, uh, Tommy Cole's dream. Obviously, he's always wanted to fight. He's, he said himself, this is a dream, like fighting in America. Now he's fighting in America again um, in a huge boxing room on the stack car on the under on the under Anthony Joshua at Madison Square Garden. I think this is going to be a very tough fight for Tommy Cole. Um, I do see it going to points, but if I'm going to go with a winner, I'm going to go with Chris Algeria to win on points. Algeria on points, okay. Uh, the listeners have also gone with Algeria on points. We had to do two polls because the first poll ended being a complete draw. I think they had Algeria and Coyle um, on points. It was a tie. So I did a, a rerun and actually Algeria picked up the win here, 48%. Coyle by knockout next, uh, next popular, 28%. You know, people voted for every outcome, but yeah, Algeri points, I'm going to agree, actually. It's weird, kind of, getting back in the prediction league now. It's been so many weeks, I haven't really had to give a prediction, but we all agree there, Algeri on points. Uh, moving up the card once again to uh, to Callum Smith, Ayaz. Um Obviously, he takes on the man that we spoke to earlier on in the show, Mr. Hassan and Dam. Hassan and Dam, you'd have to say, is the, the clear underdog moving up from middleweight. 37 and 3, obviously in his mid 30s now, um, Hassan and Dam. Uh, Callum Smith, like I say, 25 and 0. It's for his WBA Super World Super Middleweight title and his WBC Diamond Super Middleweight title. Um, a 12 rounder. I mean, it just kind of reminds me of the time where Hassan and Dam fought David Lemieux, and I think he was down six times against him. You'd have to say the size and everything like that's going to play a factor. I don't think Hassan goes the distance as much as I'd like him to do so, because I've got a lot of time for him, as I'm, as I'm sure everyone can tell from the interview that we did earlier on. Yes, I mean, this is going to be a very, I think this is going to be a very, very tough fight for Hassan and Dam. I've literally, I just can't see Hassan and Dam winning this fight. Obviously, he's going up from middleweight to super middleweight, and he's fighting a monster who's fighting Callum Smith, and Callum Smith is very, very big for super middleweight. If I'm going to go with a winner, I'm going to go with Callum Smith, and I think he's going to make a statement. I think he's going to knock him out. Like I said, I'd love to see it go the distance, but I think Smith does get the knockout, unfortunately, and so do you, Ayaz, and so do the listeners. 84% a complete whopping amount there really um yeah smith by knockout um and the top of the bill as uh it kind of goes without saying doesn't really need no announcement we've been talking about it time and time again anthony joshua 22 and 0 it's for his ibf ibo wba and wbo world heavyweight titles in the other corner he's only had about five or six weeks notice at max andy ruiz jr 32 and 1 hasn't had the ideal preparation he actually fought himself, I think it was five or six weeks ago. Um, I think he he got the knockout against Dimitrenko on an undercard somewhere. So uh, I don't think he had to really dig deep and completely spend everything in his body. I don't think he went 12 grueling rounds. It wasn't that kind of thing. But still, he you know he peaked his body for that night there. And then he didn't have any time to... To, to kind of relax, I think he did relax for a couple of days, and then all of a sudden it it all changed, and then he took the fight, and you know he hasn't had the ideal preparation that he would would need, you'd feel, for someone like Anthony Joshua. So it's a bit underwhelming, we have to say, but um, it is what it is. It's not Anthony Joshua's fault that Big Baby Miller failed a test. I don't want to revisit that situation. Um, yeah, short and sweet, Ayaz. How do you see this fight unfolding? Um, yeah. It's not a fight that I'm really looking forward to watching, to be fair. It's going to be another Joshua. It's, to be fair, you know, this fight's going to remind me of when Joshua fought Eric Molina. Ooh. And if I'm going to go with a win, I'm just going to go with Joshua to win by knockout early, early round, like first win, first three rounds. 
first three rounds. Okay, that's a bit of a statement there. Um, obviously, Andy Ruiz Jr., I must stress, went the distance with Joseph Parker. It could have gone either way, that fight. It was a real close fight. You know, his, his, his quick hand speed can really throw you off, especially in the heavyweight division. He's got incredibly fast hands for a guy of his size. He doesn't look like he's got fast hands. Um, hopefully, that will trouble Joshua a little bit, just to make it interesting. But I think, without the good preparation that he would have needed for this, I think he will end up just staying in the pocket a little bit too long, perhaps trading and getting caught um, himself. Obviously, Anthony Joshua has got that good timing, um, timing beat speed, as we've been we've been told for years and years. So, yeah, I think Anthony Joshua does catch up with him at some point. I think he probably... I think he probably goes more than a few rounds, as, but we are we are in agreement. It is a knockout win for me, in my opinion, and like I say, the listeners are also agreeing with that. Um, so yeah, eighty-one percent of the listeners going with with Joshua by knockout. So we agree on all three things, um, me, you, Iaz, and the listeners. But um, yeah, I think he catches up with him at some stage, probably around about the halfway point. I think Joshua will probably. Um, you know, shut him down, close him down, um, trap him on the rope, something like that, and even perhaps force a stoppage rather than actually knock him out cold. I think he's got quite a good chin on him, so it should be interesting for for while it lasts. I just don't think Andy Ruiz will have it in the tank to go late on. I just don't think he will, but um, should be interesting. I hope his speed, like I say, causes a few a few issues and makes it quite interesting to watch. I don't want to see a one sided beatdown. Um, I much preferred the the. Beat- Big Baby Miller fight, but obviously we don't have the choice of that. And there's a few guys I would have preferred to jump into this fight rather than um, rather than um, Andy Ruiz. And I don't need to list those guys, but there's quite a few. There's probably four or five I would have preferred over this guy here. So uh, all the credit to him. I like him. He seems like a nice guy. He seems like quite a funny guy, quite a likable guy. He's been boxing for a long, long time. He's probably got the edge actually on Joshua in terms of experience, but. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a little bit too much for him on the night, but we we all hope it's going to be a great fight. Um, right, that's about it for the preview part of the show, Iaz. Obviously, it's now your time to shine. I've been looking forward to this the whole show. The listeners have probably fast-forwarded past every single word I've said for this moment here. Iaz, give us 10 seconds, 50 cent in the club. Take it away. Uh, go shawty, it's your birthday. We're gonna party like it's your birthday. We're gonna sit Bacardi like it's your birthday. And we don't give a fuck, it's not your birthday. <laughs> that was to die for. That is what the show's about. Ayaz, thank you for the entertainment. Even though the Prediction League has only just started again and we've all agreed, I'm sure the listeners really want the same thing to happen. When we get to 100 next time, if I get there first, Ayaz can do the uh, perhaps PIMP by 50 cents, something like that. Ayaz, that was tremendous. Okay, thank you for that, Ayaz. Just before we wrap up part two, the last thing to do, of course, is to welcome our second and final guest on this week's podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated WBA international welterweight champion. It is, of course, Mr. Josh Kelly. Josh, welcome back on the show. You are, mate. How's things? You good? Very good, my friend. Very good. So we last spoke, like I say, uh, about five weeks ago, just before your last fight. Obviously, I want to quickly get a word on that, you, you, you boxed the undefeated Prism Slaw Ronowski. You was able to shut him out. You were able to drop him uh, a couple of times. Yet, still, some people on social media want to criticise. You just can't please everyone all the time. <laughs> you know that. You know that more than anyone. You know that. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, a few people saying, oh, 
it, it annoys me because I, I see people say, oh, he can't have his hands that low when he fights a puncher, but he's not going to fight like that when he fights a puncher. I mean, it's all part of the game, trying to draw someone in. But Josh, <laughs> when we last spoke, you knew about this fight on the Joshua undercard. You didn't really want to think about it too much because you needed to get through Ronowski. You did that. But tell me, uh, Josh, how has training camp been? I'm guessing it hasn't been too ideal. Obviously, you went the full 10 rounds. Five weeks later, you're... You're back out again, but this time in New York. I'm guessing it must have been a bit, uh, well, a bit busy for you this this past few weeks. Oh yeah, but I mean, at the same time, mate, I feel as though that's the, that's when I'm going to be the best because I'm in the gym, I'm taking over, and what them long, long shorter gaps in between fights, and then I'm busy sitting, wait some point, everything's everything's bang on. So this training camp is doing one of the best because I didn't have to come in and start. Um, Start from sort of ten weeks out. I just come in and flowed straight into it, so it was just cut off. I'm sure you've had to really eat clean in that in that time after the fight. Um, now the guy you're fighting, Josh Ray Robinson, obviously a tough guy, a southpaw from Philly. He's certainly been around the block. Do you know much about him? Yeah, of course. I've I've looked. I've um, watched a lot of his fights. I watched a lot of his younger fights when well, his um, earlier fights when he was younger. Um, I've watched a lot of his. His later fight, you know, his latest fight against Kavalowskis, which is a good, a really good um, sort of result for him. But I feel as I've got the skills and the tools where I can move around him and, um, and beat him. Yeah, I want to just mention, for those that may not know, obviously his last fight against Kavalowskis, it went to a majority draw. Kavalowskis is the fighter that knocked David Avanesian out, a man who has obviously been linked with Josh from, well, for, for quite a yeah. while now. So... Just to just to make it very simply, in a nutshell, once again, Josh is fighting the guy who drew with a guy that knocked Avanesian out. Um, other than that, though, uh, Josh Robinson, like I say, he's, he's pretty tough. I mean, he went the distance with Sean Porter. He did get stopped by Ugas, but he's a solid fighter. Um, do, do you identify him as being your toughest test thus far? Oh, 100%, without a doubt. Without a doubt, the toughest test so far. But... Um... It's a test one I'm ready for. I'm ready to step up. I've been ready for a while to step up. But obviously the last one was just a, the last fight was a slight step up. I mean he was he was a good guy, seventeen and all, but I've been ready since the obviously the unfortunate events for Abination. I've been ready since then, so I'm just um can't wait. And my last couple of questions for you, Josh. Um, are you looking to try and go out there and make a statement and completely try and box him every round? Are you looking to try and do something Sean Porter couldn't do and try and get him up out of there? Uh, what can you tell us? Oh, mate, well, just see how the fight unfolds, really. I guess it's whatever he brings, I'll adjust to it, and then I'll just apply whatever I need to do after. So, I mean, it's like you need to make adjustments for what he does. If he wants to come forward and fight, then... I can either fight or box whatever one's going to work better for me or if I want to box it and I can do the same on the front foot which obviously will um, work out one or two ways where I want to outbox and win, win, the, um, win the fight on points or put the pressure on and try and try and get the job done so I'm not, I'm not expecting any I'm not expecting any gimmies with Ray Robinson after the losing top class operator and I'm ready to go on there and it'll be a tough fight and I want to get your take on this one. July 20th, Josh. Pacquiao versus Keith Thurman. A brilliant fight. Talk to me about that. Uh, it's a good fight, mate, because you've got, you've got a contrast of two there. You've got Pacquiao, 40-year-old. He's getting on now. Um, but he's still quality. You've got Thurman, who didn't have the best performance last time out. He's had two years off. So 
combination of them is I feel it's a really, it's a really interesting, intriguing fight. I'll be keeping my eye on that one and um, watching it very closely. Yeah, it's intriguing. The younger guy didn't look great last time out, and the older guy looked brilliant last couple of fights. It is weird. Uh, <laughs> exactly, it's mine. Just before I let you go, Josh, I know you ain't got too much time. Have you got any closing words just for our listeners before we let you go? I appreciate you making time just a couple of days out from the fight. Um, no, just um, I'm, I want to put a performance on for everyone. Hopefully everyone enjoys it, and everyone takes it for what it is. It's, um, it's going to be a really good night of boxing, and it's going to be a night to enjoy, man. Okay, listen, Josh, it's always great catching up, my friend. You know that. Thank you for your time. Best of luck Saturday, and we'll speak sometime after. Thank you, boss. Cheers, brother. Josh Kelly there. Um, Sorry if the audio was poor. I think it may have been something on Josh's end. Um, It was listenable, I hope, for everybody. Um, And just just wanted to quickly say there is a last-minute interview. It's happening. It's a bonus interview. It's going to be guest number three. It was totally unexpected. It is with the newly crowned on Saturday night WBO Super Featherweight World Champion, Mr. Jamel Herring. So here goes. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the man of the moment, the new WBO super featherweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Jamel Herring. Jamel, welcome back on the show, champ. Hey, man, it's great to be back, man. Thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure, Jamel. So it's a bit of a spare of the moment thing. I literally texted you about 10 minutes ago, and here we are. Um, please talk us through that, that epic win on Saturday night, Jamel. Incredible. Oh, man, um, hands down, biggest win of my career, of course. Um, you personally know what I've been through. Um, I've been through hell and back, you know, just to get to the opportunity. And I know once I had, once I got the moment, I had to seize it, you know, seize the opportunity and take full advantage of it. But, you know, I, I actually felt real confident going and going into the fight, and I definitely felt great, you know, with the result after the fight. It was just unbelievable. I mean, the people that I spoke to, in the build-up to the fight, I hadn't seen much of Ito myself, but people were saying to me, Ito's going to win this fight. And I was saying, well, I haven't seen much of him, but Jamel's really good. He's really improved under his new training team. You know, it's a, it's a real tough fight. And but, but everyone I spoke to said, nah, he's still going to lose the fight. And I just want to ask you, um, Jamel, how did you cope with that pressure? Obviously, Memorial Weekend. You had the Marines present for your fight once again. You had what would have been your daughter's 10th birthday. I was saying earlier on in the show, it takes someone with incredible mental toughness to put that aside and complete a world-class job like you did. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, to be honest with you, the, the whole time in, in the back, um, I was more anxious and ready to just get the ring walk out of the way. And, and you know, because once I'm in the ring, I have full tunnel vision and I'm just focused on the man across from across from me. I mean, yes, it was a big weekend. A lot was online. A lot um, went into that, going into that fight. But, like, for the most part, I, I really stayed calm because I felt like being the underdog, I had nothing to lose. So it was not like there was a lot of pressure on me. Like like you pointed out, a lot of people thought that Ito was just going to, you know, basically steamroll over me. But I just stayed calm and cool and, and I just believed in my training. And I actually had the fight nine rounds to three in favor of yourself at the very end. Um, at times, though, Jamel, you were fighting Ito's fight, I felt. You were kind of staying in the pocket a little bit too long at times. You got caught a couple of times. Right. Was that exhaustion? Um, I think it was more of a, um, a macho thing. Cause, um, I, didn't, I was trying to actually take away some, some of the confidence. In his, you know, I, I didn't want him to, to, to think that he can just basically try to bully me like he, like he's done in the past with um 
you know, Christopher Diaz and um, Shapikov and, 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 and um, guys like that, and, and you know, from his past two fights. And I, I didn't, I didn't want him thinking that he can just basically, you know, muscle me and do whatever on the inside. But like you said, the smart thing for me to do in the end was just to, to continue boxing, and that's when I basically, you know, went back to it. I, I caught my second win, and I actually felt good. I actually felt great doing, um, you know, my first twelve rounds. Yeah, that's another that's another important factor that didn't really seem to get mentioned that much. Um, you did look very tired at the midway point. You seemed to be looking up at the clock quite often. How tired were you at that point, um, Jamel? And like I say, how did you manage to finish so strong? Because you you certainly won the the last few rounds in a row. Right. I think, like I said, I think, like I, like I pointed out, it was the whole the wrestling and the tussling and, and the clinching that was actually just wearing. It was taking a lot out of me, you know. And if that was part of his game plan, I will say it was a good it was a good strategy because it was you know it was starting to get you know wearing wearing me down because you know any anyone trying to impose their will and you know dominate in terms of the inside to show who's bossing there it could take a lot out of you. But um you know once I went back to my corner and now I'm pretty sure you heard my trainer um, Brian McIntyre told me just go back to boxing and, and do what I do best. I just felt comfortable at it and I um and I knew that. I had the fight in the bag, so I felt with, with you know just knowing that it gave me that that urge just to continue pushing and pushing and not and not letting the fight slip, slip away. Yeah, I remember quite a lot of his advice. I remember his advice, I think at the end of, uh, I think it was the end of round three, and he said to you, you need to mix it up more. And I was thinking, ooh, but then you came out and you actually mixed it up more and you fought excellently. And I, I also remember him saying to you, don't listen to Terrence for a second, listen to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you managed to watch the yeah. fight back, Jamel, in its entirety just yet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Um, I, I can actually say that I, I, I'm very impressed and, of course, you know, with what I've done, because like like you pointed out earlier in the interview, a lot of people just thought that um, Ido was just too big of a challenge. So, you know, for for most part, like like you said, um, you scored it um, nine three. Um, the the most people the most people said they gave him was four rounds. So that says a lot. You know, they gave you know he was the champion, yet the most the rounds that people said they can give him was only four rounds. You know, tops. And you know that goes to say a lot about you know what I did on my end. Like I said, um, it it, even, it felt even better of you know taking a belt from a champion instead of just winning a vacant title. Because like I said, I I went and beat the man. You know, I beat the man who had the belt, and I and I and I did it um, very convincingly. Yeah, you certainly did. Like I say, I think. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think I gave him one of the first two rounds. So I had it like 1-1 one, one going into the third. And then you seem to just rack up round after round. And then where you seem to get a little bit tired, and I think I perhaps gave him two rounds in a row. And I was a little bit worried that it was a bit of a turning point. He might start coming on strong. But then, like I say, you got the second wind and you were able to finish strongly. It was so dominant. It was so impressive. Obviously, Terence, um, a fighter himself, a, a fantastic fighter. How much of a factor did he play, though, in terms of getting you ready, in terms of shouting advice? He seemed to give you that little extra kind of, I don't know if I want to say a kick up the backside. He seemed to just kind of give you that extra 10%. No, that. that, that... That's exactly what it was, man. That's exactly what it was. Um, there was at times when, you know, Bud would come into camp because remember he just came up with a big fight himself. He didn't have to be there. Exactly. You know, he came off fighting American. So when he when he came, he took time off. He took he took time away from his own family to make sure that I was doing everything I needed to do on camp. And I you know I love and respect him for that. 
But there were times when I just wanted him to actually go home because he was more he was more hard on me than, than my own trainers. But like I said, um, it all it all it all paid off in the end, and um, you know I'm grateful for it, and I, I'm ha- and I'm happy that he was around to um, you know like you said give me that extra kick. And, and and just to continue uh, finish finishing um, not only camp strong but the fight strong as well. And who are the other members of this dream team, Jamel? Please, I just want you to kind of name the guys. Obviously, Brian McIntyre. You've got Red Spikes. We mentioned uh, Terence Crawford had had his trainer hat on for a while. Have I left out anyone? They need to be named. Um, yes, yeah, my, my my third trainer was um East um East Diegas. Um, my strength coach is Jamie Belt. Um, my nutritionist, she definitely played a big part because, like, if you've seen the weigh-in, that's the lowest I've, I've weighed in as a professional. Um, so, and um, Paulina Andaro from Perfecting Athletes, she did a hell of a job as well of not only making sure that I got the weight down, but I, I got the weight off healthy. And, you know, I put the weight back on, you know, healthier to where the point, I, as you can see in the ring, that I can move fluently without ha- having weight, you know, making me sluggish or, you know, making my, you know, putting put basically, you know, sand in my feet. <laughs> so, like I said, like you said, like you pointed out, man, it was a dream team. It, was, it, it, it took more than just the guys in the corner. It took, like you said, the strength coach and nutritionist as well. Yeah, I'd like to just applaud everyone there. That was that was just a brilliant team effort. Um, you've now got a bit of a target on your back, Jamel. Everyone seems to want to fight you. Oh, yeah. Obviously, it's too early to announce your next move um, right now. But what are your plans? I mean, what, what would you like to do for the foreseeable future, if you if you uh, want to say? You know, first of all, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a gentleman. So let me just say, um, you know, shout out to my guy, Archie. <laughs> you know, you and I personally know. He's um one of them, but um like you said um I like I, I like you know I'm I'll be a fool to overlook anybody like I even started watching some of his his fights a lot more of his fights even in the past week or so you know I, I'm watching everybody in the in, in in the division and um I know him and I'm actually it's call me crazy but man I'm actually honored that um that Frank Warren you know like I said I'm a, I'm a big boxing fan for one but like when Frank Warren you know, mentioned me and also, you know, called me out on on behalf of his. And, you know, I was kind of blown away. <laughs> you know, I didn't take it as, you know, Frank and, and the team over there being disrespectful. Like I said, man, I love the U.K. You know, even if, even if they're rooting, you know, with their guys over there to fight me or whatever, but I still love the sport because, um, you know, I always said the U.K. had some of the best fans. And, you know, I just love the fact that I, I'd, rather, I'd rather get attention than being completely ignored and put to the side. So, you know, I got, I got, I had to um, acknowledge and mention that. But, um, like I said, um, like you've seen it in the fight, um, they, um, they, uh, possibly a unification with Miguel Burchell. Um, I got, uh, like I told you, um, uh, in a conversation amongst us, amongst each other earlier this week, I may have to fight, you know, my, my mandatory. So, like you said, also, man, it's, it's just too early to tell, but I trust and believe I'm considering everything that's thrown at me. Um, I'm not the type of guy who who's like you know saying that oh this guy doesn't deserve a shout that guy doesn't deserve a shout it's never my it's never been my character if you're if you're a world champion you got to take you know the responsibilities of being a, a champion and that's you know taking all taking on all competitors who want to um, um, step up to the challenge and that's just what I um I plan on doing but like you said man it's it's too early and we had to take in consideration of the business aspect of boxing that's always been that seems like to be the always the only thing that really gets in the way of stuff, but like I said, man, boxing is a business first, and we just have to wait and see what um 
you know, all hands in, in, in the business want to do and, and take place. Yeah, well said. Like I say, you're the shot caller now. You don't have to dance to anyone else's tune. But um, yeah, you know, there's many there's many fights that can be made out there. It is way too early. I don't want to press you to say anything, but you know, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's definitely a fight to consider. Like you said, it'd be it'd be great to have you over here or him go over there. Um, I just want to finish, really, Jamel, by just saying from a personal point of view, it was just a complete honour to watch you do what you did the other night. I mean. You know, it, it it was emotional watching it. It was emotional when they when they said those those magic words and the new. It was just it was just incredible. And I just want to say, I mean, you know this already, but I can't think of a nicer guy. Like I'm so pleased that it's happened for you, and just to watch it all unfold from my sofa, just watching it. I didn't even want to tweet you much in the days before Jamel because I didn't want to. I didn't want to put <laughs> pressure on you because there was already too much. Yeah, I, I was focused, man. I, yeah, I, I respect you, I, for I, that, bro. I, I, I was. I was tweeting out. I I think I did a tweet saying I can't do much from my sofa apart from just pray it all happens and it all goes well. And it just it just happened. And it was just a complete pleasure. So thanks so much for winning. And I'm just so proud of you, Jamel. That's all I can say, my friend. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Like I said, when you reached out to me, I just I just as you can see, like we we just did this on the fly, man. Like I was like, hey, I'm available right now if you want to talk, man. And that's because you, like I said, man, you've been. You've been very supportive over the years, and you know, I, 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 as you can see, man, I'm, I'm not, I'm the same guy, you know, with or without the title. And, and like I said, man, I wanted to let people, people also know out there that Jamel is going to be the same. Reach out to me; I will more than likely so, um, reach it back out to you, reply, have a conversation, and I just want to say thank you and I love you all out there. Oh, what a man. Jamel Heron is what a man, incredible. Um, yeah, like I say, Jamel, we even we even spoke. I think it was about about two hours after the fight. You were replying to text. So, I mean, it, just a crazy, crazy, fantastic character. We love Jamel on this show. Jamel, it has been an honour speaking with you once again. You know that. I'm so happy for you. Like I say, congrats for the final time, and we shall speak again very soon. I'm sure. Thank you, brother. We will, we will speak again for sure. Okay, and this wraps up episode 189 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Ayaz Sumra has been 50 Cent. I'd like to thank our three guests on this week's show, the undefeated Olympian Josh Kelly, the former WBA and WBO middleweight world champion, Hassan Andam, and the new WBO super featherweight world champion, Jamel Herring. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Joe Joyce's opponent for July 13th has been announced. It'll be Bryant Jennings, a man coming off a knockout loss to Oscar Rivas. But Jennings is obviously a very, very, very good opponent for Joe at this stage of his career. So I'm totally on board with that. No problem with that. Both men are friends of the show. But that's about everything. Remember, the Prediction League is back. Tell a friend to tell a friend. If you do have just 30 spare seconds, please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes. Until next week, though, enjoy your weekends, people, and take care.